This is a humble man recording. Scano, Sego, Ani, you're listening to the Red Road Podcast with Courtney Skye and Hayden King. Good afternoon, Courtney. Good afternoon, Hayden. It's a beautiful evening. It is. The sun is still up. It's not pitch black when we're on our way home at the end of the day. We're on the red road. This is a Friday afternoon we're recording this. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's definitely the end of the week. It is... Right now I have taken my boots off inside of this car. <laughs> I'm drinking from a coffee from a thermos that is now, I don't know, eight hours old? It's Ish. still kind of warm. It's still yeah. kind of warm. But as you say, the sun is, is we got a beautiful, we're driving into a beautiful sunset into the west here. Uh, traffic is kind of, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's heavy. Yes, there is a but, heavy uh, traffic flow. There's some, right there's flow. Yes. We are not, it's not the longest it's ever taken us to get on the highway. That is for sure. No, I mean, a Friday, Friday night at five, five o'clock, you'd expect uh, there'd be more traffic, but no, it's not bad. It's not yeah. bad. Not bad out on the red road today, but definitely feeling like a Friday. Yeah. It's been a busy week. Really busy week. I was in Thunder Bay uh-huh. for the first chunk of the week, I guess, or most of the week. And yeah. We're such colonized Indians. <laughs> yeah. Friday. Can't wait for the weekend. <laughs> Had a long, had a long week. Oh my God, capitalism! Look at us. I guess so. I in mean, a car, fossil yeah. fuels. I don't really stop working. I don't think yeah. I ever stop working. Yeah, no, I don't think I, um, I. I definitely don't stop thinking about work. Right. I definitely am always thinking about like what I have to do next, what I have to do tomorrow. Um, I have this thing where like your brain like always works on like puzzles and organizes things is inclined to do that like that's my brain doesn't do that so like if like if you take an information then your brain will like work on it and try to like sort it or like whatever in the back of your mind even though you're not like consciously thinking about it this is like is that how your brain works this is how my brain works so my brain works so if, if i take in a bunch of information or if i read let's say i'm doing like policy documents or whatever if I just like take in raw information and then wait a couple days I can usually then synthesize it much more clear after I've had time to think about it so like 98% of the time I'm thinking about something that's like an upcoming task so I'm thinking about like a paper I need to write or like a report I need to do I'm working through these problems all the time and thinking about what I'm going to write for them and then if I think of something that's like oh I like definitely need to remember that like that makes sense then I'll like write it down or like put it in a google doc um but otherwise I usually just like let it sit and then like I get to this like you know simmer in the back of my brain and then if either I run out of time and the thing becomes due and I have to like force myself to do something like and work through a editing process or it just kind of like flows out easily and naturally and I arrive at like a good well considered idea Hmm. Well, that's very nice. That's 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 nice. You're a very thoughtful person. Always thinking. I don't. I guess. Uh, I don't know if my brain works that way. 
I think, uh... Do you have a voice in your head? Do I have a voice in my head? Yeah. Hmm. Some people don't have voices in their head. Do I have a like voice when you, in my head? <laughs> when you hear, like, do you hear your own voice in your head? I don't think so. Is like a sense of your voice? I don't think voice? so. I think, I, I think I, I think it's really difficult for me to explain how I think. That's a weird thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of my thinking is like ideas. I see idea. I, I mean, I, I, I sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> that was a silly way to put it. Uh, yes, constantly I have ideas. I have a brain. Brain think. <laughs> yeah. Um, brain do thing. Brain show images. Yeah, images, I guess. Like, uh, hmm. Now I'm listening for my own internal monologue to listen for my voice. Do you, is it there? Yes, it is. Okay. So, so don't have that. okay, I guess. Yeah, At I all. Guess, I, I mean, guess. yours is like half-assing it. How but... have I not reflected on how I think? Honestly, I just, I don't know. I think I have a, I think I have been blessed with a very good memory. Aren't you an educator? Haven't you done like cognition, any type of stuff? I've never done how any. People, I've never done IQ tests. I've never... I mean, obviously, I think a lot about how people learn in a classroom in a pedagogical perspective, like, you know, uh, learning by doing, learning by dialogue, Socratic teaching to force students to learn or think through alternative perspectives. I mean, these are all sort of teaching tools, you know, group learning. Um, but I guess what I'm saying is I haven't really thought about how I... Uh, process information. Very off-branded for a Leo to not think about yourself. <laughs> I really lack a lot of. I'm. <laughs> I'm. A, I'm, a, I'm a. To be honest with you, I am not a very self-aware person. I mean, maybe that sounds funny, but I. I mean, it's self-aware to say it. <laughs> I guess so, but I, but I think I have arrived at an understanding that I'm not a self-aware person because people like you. Ha know how they think <laughs> oh my god and I so somehow don't know how I think and people talk about like things that their body tells me and I'm somehow completely you know very often just disconnected from my body and don't like make a connection between anyway I don't know uh, is that is that odd for a Leo no I don't think that's odd at all I think it's like indicative of like some things you should probably talk about with a therapist. <laughs> It'd be really great. Uh, like is it a male thing? Is it like sounds a like you're disassociating? <laughs> sounds like you have some trauma that you need to unpack, or like your brain Listen, has like severed this connection between I, you and your body. There will I. There are reasons why that happens. Listen, for people. I'm not. I as soon as you open that door, I don't know. I, I would like to have conversations actually with other Indians. I was having a conversation last night with a good friend about the performance of trauma mm -hmm. and I don't know I think this probably gets into you know sensitive areas of discussion but like the you know when people do a lot of you know they they express their trauma as native people and talk about their trauma I mean on a regular sort of basis and in very public venues sort of seemingly void of any relationship like I, I don't know I sort of have questions about that I don't and maybe I have questions about it because it's just something I would never ever do. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not really interested in talking about my shit. Yeah. 
with anybody really yeah. <laughs> not publicly not with a therapist because you know once you open that door it's like i'm really afraid of uh what what what, what comes out which uh ugh, you know that doesn't sound very good um, well the thing is too is that like okay everyone has we've talked about this before we did not talk about a podcast this is like a weird segue but you said we probably should talk about it at one point but like I don't want to talk about it no but like the act of like going and seeking help or not even that but like this idea right we talk a lot about trauma our communities talk about intergenerational trauma and there's like this kind of community dialogue around these kind of concepts these like scientific concepts or therapeutic concepts where it's either like peer-to-peer where people are training um people are like talking about it but they don't necessarily have like formal education or training or they're exploring these ideas or it exists in pop culture or like feminist online existence and people don't have like the full picture of like what those things are and so maybe they're like misapplying them or not properly doing like all the steps that are needed within that kind of like a therapeutic modality for it to be effective what are you talking about people healing well like even like talking about kind of things with the example of like trigger warnings or triggers yeah so like a lot of people will get to the point of like so some people like if they're triggered they don't know they're triggered right they're disconnected from their body they don't know why they're reacting in a certain right, way. Right, they don't right, know why right, they're getting right, pissed right. off. Yeah, yeah, but then yeah. some people will be able to recognize their triggers. And they'll say, yes, yes. you know, if you trigger me, I have this reaction. It can, like, really throw off my day. So I need you yeah. to not talk about these things because it's very triggering for me. Well, but that's not the point of identifying triggers, right? right? The point of identifying triggers is that so you can recognize the fact that it's, like, an inappropriate physical response. And you get to work to through disconnected, that. You have to work through it. And you have, but the ultimate goal, I think, is to get to a point where things you can remember things or associate things without having like a massive uh, detrimental impact yes, on yes, your yes, daily yes, well-being yes. to be able to talk about it, right? Like, um, and this was like something that I was like forced to have to deal with in my personal life because I was a firefighter and I saw dead people and like touched dead people and like did that kind of stuff. So it was like I was at this point where like you know. Of being disassociated a lot of the time and having to work through like trauma of being there when like CPR was done on my aunt who like, I love very dearly and I can I'm at the point now where like I can remember that I can remember those experiences I can think about that happening and like I don't break down in tears I don't disconnect from my body and disassociate I can remember those things happening but they don't cause me pain in the present Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. like, that's the kind of thing, right? And I don't think our communities get to the point where they're, like, they know what to do with that kind of information, that they can process it and do something productive with it. Like, you know, work and overcome the, those kinds of experiences. I don't know. I, I think that there's... I, I think that there are varying approaches, and I am interested in trying to explain why some individuals who are exposed to... the You know, two individuals could be exposed to the same trauma. Let's take siblings, for instance. And one of those individuals is able to um, deal with that trauma in a way that is healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, work through it, uh, suppress it. I don't know <laughs> if that's healthy, but that was my strategy. Uh, and then others are able to, um, or not able to, to, not able to deal with it. And then, and then the only way to cope is through unhealthy behaviors. Uh, well, those are all different forms of coping, right? They're all different forms. Sure, of like, sure, sure. They're all coping mechanisms. And some people are able to process their coping 
into ways that are seen as like more productive or more useful than others but it's still not healthily dealing with like trauma or like things that have happened to you so like let's say you like if you, like some people cope by like being hyperproductive and overproductive and the way that they like don't address their trauma or don't address the stresses in their life is that they just like hyperproduce things. Right. They just work, work, yeah. work so they don't and have to like, yeah. reflect internally. And that's you know. seen as like being really pro-social, but it's not because you're still like not coping. You're not dealing with it. Right. This is like the thing too where I like, when I was like going through this, where I was like, when they were, when I was like told I was like disassociating, I was like, but well, that sounds awesome. <laughs> Why wouldn't I want to not feel True. this traumatic thing? Yeah. And it's like, well, you're still like, it's still stopping you from like being present. It's still stopping you from like experiencing life. It can stop you from like building new attachments and having like good and healthy relationships, all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. it's like, you should probably, yeah, deal at your own pace, at what you feel comfortable with, what you have access to, you know, pursue information that will help you. I guess like when you feel like you know if there's if you feel like not okay with it if you feel okay with it fine you're not talking about me no i'm talking like generally okay, the good. general you good i mean listen i think you should live whatever <laughs> life you want live your best life you're uh, one of my dear friends well how did we even get onto this topic <laughs> uh what are what are we even talking about here you talked about how you weren't self-aware <laughs> <laughs> uh no like you know i do you know, there are certain things I know that I, I react in certain ways to certain triggers and I am able to, in some cases, work through those triggers. Um, I'm not really interested in providing examples on our, on our, on our podcast, but uh, in those ways, in, in, in those ways, I, I know that I am aware and self-aware, but uh, yeah, I think that I, I uh, there are, there are definitely... I don't know, disassociative tendencies. It's not even disassociative tendencies. It's like, um, it's just, you know, a, a, a strange ability to uh, float through certain um, settings, experiences, feelings, scenarios. I don't know. It's uh, hard to describe. Yeah. The point is, you do not have to talk about this on this podcast. You do not have to talk about this with me. <laughs> You can have whatever boundaries you feel most comfortable with, with your feelings and your emotions. Well, I guess this was sort of, we were, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Then my friend and I were having this conversation around how people cope differently and how native people cope in different ways. Like in some ways there is this, you know, very public healing that happens often on like social media, you know, or, um, declarations of, um, victimization, which in some ways are really important conversations to have, you know, if they're, if they're, if, if they're maybe around, um, individuals that are oppressive or, uh, abusive. And then in other ways, they're just sort of about individuals, personal healing and, um, and, uh, I don't know. I think that it's just a, it's, uh, it's an approach that I think I'm trying to to better understand, you know, how, how, uh, how you get to that place. Not that I'm saying it's healthy. In some cases it's probably very healthy, but in other cases maybe it's not, you know, yeah. this is a very abstract conversation. I mean, it I think is. that it's, uh, 
we should probably provide some examples. We didn't intend to talk about this, no, so I feel a little bit. We were like, let's see where this goes. Turn the mic That's on. A very bad idea. Um, so I would say that like, so one of the examples I think where like I would recognize this or like make the connection to is like the idea of um, there are some initiatives in the MMIW sphere around missing and murdered women around dealing with that gender-based violence where some of the things that are done in that space that are like tend to be pan-indigenous spaces aren't necessarily aligned with like Haudenosaunee values and so some of the things that are done don't um, coincide with like what how Haudenosaunee worldview would talk about like death and ceremonies related to death and so there are some times where, like, me as a Haudenosaunee person, there are things that are, like, made in a MIW context that are seen as, like, therapeutic or healing for other nations that, like, in Haudenosaunee culture, we're like, oh, that's witchcraft. Or that's, like, bad medicine. <laughs> like, that's not good. Like, you know, people create effigies of the dead and do all these kinds of things and talk about the dead, pe- dead people in a very specific way. And that is, like, not something that is like cohesive with the, our worldview and so like and part of it is because like the idea of like creating something that and having something that is like particularly meant to evoke strong negative emotions from other people like that would be perceived as like being bad medicine like you're purposefully creating something and you're doing something that's like disruptive to the peace because you're you haven't like you know because it's you know a lot of times it happens in like a public awareness type setting where people are like oh if we make people feel bad if we make people feel sorrow they'll be able to emphasize empathize better with like the issue of missing and murdered women and so they do these like very emotionally provocative pieces Mm -hmm. and that's like really difficult for me to like as someone who's like trying to have a stronger understanding and practice within my worldview where things like that happen and it's like it seems like there are instances where things like red dresses or images of red dresses or the idea of that like being a representative of a woman's body a dead woman's body are used as like an aesthetic Mm -hmm. or used Mm -hmm. for profit like that to me is like very uncomfortable right right i think you know when we began this conversation i don't think my ideas were completely formed um but the, i i think that this is a really important conversation and you know while i am while i'm definitely not saying you know people shouldn't talk about you know this violence mm-hmm. and this trauma um and it can be healing and it can be important to uh identify sites of oppression and all this sort of stuff. I guess I'm sort of repeating myself, but I think I sort of feel the same way in, 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 uh, in some regard with you. I think that, you know, I think about what the sort of, this is very academic, I guess, but I think about the stuff that Audra Simpson is writing about in, in terms of the, the sympathy of settlers, uh, and the consumption of trauma, um, and how much of this victimization narrative is about healing versus how much of it is uh, about you know or maybe a consequence of it is maintaining a, a very particular power dynamic yeah. 
where Native people are perpetually the victims and perpetually powerless. Um, and I, I'm just guess I guess I'm just trying to work through how to balance those two needs. Um, the need on the one hand as, as is you know identifying settler colonial violence and talking about it and naming it, which is necessarily discussing violence with on the other hand, breaking ourselves out of this victim victim narrative um, or as only being perceived as victims. Or, well only being yeah and, and, and I'm not saying that this is a, the, exclusively the case I mean I think that there are there are people that express themselves uh, publicly in ways that call out colonial violence and still demonstrate resistance and uh, and, and I think those 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 are the case but you know, I remember going to this TRC, the, uh, there was a TRC meeting, I guess it was years ago, before the TRC report came out, and it was a Toronto gathering, and and survivors of residential schools were up there on the stage, you know, disclosing all this awful shit that had been done to them in residential schools, and, and um, you know, just seeing the white women in the audience, just sort of like, it was almost, you know, it was almost, it, 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 it was on the, it was on the verge of just... I'm, I'm, ha I'm having difficulty trying to find the word to describe describe it, but it was almost like entertainment, you know. I think that it was it was it was perceived that way. It was it was definitely this consumption, and and I don't know how settlers process that pain. Like I, I think it's sort of cathartic for them in some ways. Not all of them, of course. I'm just talking about maybe a, 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 a few individuals that I've sort of. Uh, encountered that there's 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 something you know it's it maybe it's cathartic for native people but it's act there's a catharticism there's a cathartic element of this for for settlers and what what does that say about the politics about it you know and it's like kind of like a i guess an element of that like white saviorhood too that comes into it right of being like it shows us as sometimes being like disempowered for like oh well you know these people can like jump in and soothe you or save you or whatever or like help you and it's like that is not something you know a person is something that i want or need from like settler people mm -hmm. um but it's like hard to and there's different people that are like all over the spectrum on like whether how and where settlers become part of our spaces yeah and like the power of having like indigenous only spaces to like have some of these conversations or talk about some of these experiences right like i was in nishinaabe ski nation and like facilitating spaces where it was only women and, right, 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 right. And it right. was really like powerful, and they can have really, we have these like moments of like, yes, everyone can cry, but then everyone can laugh. Yeah. And we have those like moments together where it's like, oh, this is like, yeah, really powerful. Where it's like, if you're there and you're talking about something, and then someone makes like a crass joke, and then everyone busts out laughing, like that's the kind of thing where you're like, people don't get that kind of like community. No. How, we, how we've coped, how we've like done that. Right. And that I think is the, that is the, maybe the key to um, our collective discomfort. I mean, I know that you your discomfort it comes from a very specific place, um, but you know, for me, being in native only spaces, that's different. You know, that's like you, you know, it's it feels much more comfortable to have those conversations and more genuine and more. Uh, honest, but then when you do have non-native people 
in those spaces, then then everything changes, you know. And uh, I can't put my finger on exactly how everything changes, but uh, it's like that trauma gets that it gets um, translated in ways that can just perpetuate more trauma. Yeah, I think it's true. Like, and I think about this, I guess, in the context of almost exclusively like violence, right? And like gender violence where it's like even the language the way that we talk about it talking about women as survivors or talking about people you know as survivors but even the even though that kind of like quasi empowering mentality of saying you know people women are victims or survivors mm -hmm. even that continues to define a person based on something that someone else did to them right it still like says like you know women are still becoming defined by something that like they didn't want it to happen to them that they should be able to forget that they should be able to move on from that they can express themselves beyond kind of that instance right and so increasingly you see you know i encounter more people that you know don't talk about themselves within the context of survivors like i definitely don't identify as a survivor i don't identify as like someone who is like has personal family connection to missing and murdered women um but part of that is from having that colonial gaze of um the perception of partiality and that if i were to identify as a um you know as a queer person if i were to identify as a survivor if i were to identify as a family member of miw then the power dynamic changes and so i would be perceived as less effective at job my job or policy because that personal experience somehow makes you like biased in that instance and so part of like me protecting my work is to take those labels off of myself to then say like if we to become a facilitator I guess or like a, a I'm losing English words in my vocabulary every day um is to like facilitate access for more survivors and mm -hmm. more people because like if people like oftentimes because I can be articulate or you know can do public speaking or whatever or write people then want to use me as like a spokesperson for all these other people that deserve to have access to space and time and opportunity as well but I mean this is sort of moving into another another area but um, there isn't there is there's also power yeah. in identifying um, with a specific group that has been marginalized mm -hmm. uh, from these discussions uh, normalizing the, mm -hmm. the presence of, of uh, queer two-spirit people in particular mm -hmm. um, so I guess that's a choice that everybody makes in terms of you know protecting themselves versus and it's also like are you making the right choice is the choice you make today going uh, to be the same choice that you make tomorrow yeah, yeah you know there's all those things that happen right it's yeah. like Yes, yes, yes. I mean, healing is not, um, there's not. Uh, I have admittedly done um, not enough thinking or learning around modalities, as you call them, of, <laughs> of healing. But, uh, you know, I don't think that there's any sort of one way to one way to heal there or... are so many of them there's a wonderful buffet a buffet a, <laughs> a buffet a buffet of things and different things that you can try and the th shitty thing is well is that like not everyone has access to those things though, right? true That's it's true but like 
let's say you do things like osteopathy and that's something that really works what for is you. osteopathy it's like you it's like gentle stretches to release the physical trauma in your body huh and like it does that right so there's like or people really find that like reiki is very effective for them you know sure or different types of like talk therapy or like somebody balanced me one time yeah how'd that work? i think that's reiki I think I, I think I was balanced. Were you laying down? Yeah, I was laying down, and there was and all there was like this hands moving yeah. in places, and uh, energy was being moved around in my body, and uh, they didn't actually touch you. They didn't touch me. Yeah, that's Reiki. That, that was that was a cool experience. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so there's Reiki. I mean, we're on the red road right now, mm-hmm. metaphorically, literally. Yeah. Uh, I guess metaphorically, and you know, mm-hmm. the, we have this? many many elders that will say, you know, their mm-hmm. healing began. When they got on the red road, when they mm-hmm. rediscovered their indigeneity and um, began to reconnect with ceremony. Mm-hmm. I did one. I used to work for a community agency and they did a training where we could become like, like what is it, like a train the trainer type thing? Not train the trainer, but like um, learn the modality. It was called theta healing. Theta. Theta. I think some theta. The tan person Thetan. came to my reserve to yes. do healing. And it's like energy Oh, no, 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 no. Quantum healing. Oh, maybe this. I don't know. It's really There's good. both of those things. Yes. All kinds of like yeah. uh, new so healing I'm techniques. So I'm like a theta healer. Like I can theta do that healer. kind of stuff. Yeah. Where it's like you can do that. And you kind of like you talk to people and like ask some questions. And you like explore blah, 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 stuff. And then like you do like energy work. And you kind of like meditate a little bit. And then like their problems go away. Wow. And that kind of stuff. Like your problems go away, like, like you know your your yeah. trauma of being a so residential the, school. One of the examples. So I was like a summer student, right? So I worked there for like what? How long do you work at summer school? Six weeks, eight weeks. I don't know. And one of the women that I worked with, she had like over the summer like lost mobility in her thumb, and like every day or every couple of days when I would see her, she'd be like, "Oh, you know, my thumb really hurts," and then eventually it got to be like. Oh, my thumb. She's like, I can only move it if I force it to move. And then eventually by the time we got around to like, just happened to coincidence with this like training where she like couldn't move her hand at all. It was like almost completely immobile. And so then the trainer sat with her in front of the group. They talked about her thumb and like what was going on in her life. They sat there and then within like five minutes, she had complete mobility back in her body. And, like, that kind of stuff, too. And you're like, that's crazy. Because I watched that lady for weeks, like, be unable to, like, move her body. And suddenly it's fine. And her physical form is, like, working. So there's that kind of stuff. But there's also, like, you know, um, cognitive behavioral therapy, choice therapy, a lot of different types of things. A lot of different types of therapies. Yes. Um, and so, like, maybe if something doesn't work for you, then something else will be good. Um, one of the things that's been really helpful for me is critical incident stress debriefing, which is, like, another kind of, like, it can have, like, a formal agenda to it, or it can just be, like, talking to someone and being, like, hey, this is, like, um, like a really hard thing that I've had to deal with, and, like, talking about it and processing it, and that's been very good. And I have enough people in my life that are, like, practitioners or themselves or therapists or do the same kind of work where we can do that for each other mm-hmm. and often do that for each other and then like know the point is like I'm having this difficult you know I'm going to put a wall up 
Yeah. I'm going to not take any of this vicarious trauma on from this person, but I'm going to sit here, hold space for them, let them process, let it go, and we both move on and we forget about it and then it's done. Right. I mean, it sort of sounds a little bit like some indigenous practices. Uh, like I think about, um, I just recently learned about um, uh, an indigenous people from Panama, Kuva people. Um, and uh, this person that I was hanging out with was describing how, um, you know, there are at times in their history um, conflicts, of course, emerged, uh, armed conflict, and they would have specific ceremonies for people to basically reintegrate into society after they had, you know, been partaking in violence. Um, you know, and there there would be like this 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 slow reintegration of of uh, these individuals back into the community, um, or sort of like washing ceremonies um, on the west coast. Something traumatic happens, and there's those sort of uh, kinds of ceremonies to to help people heal immediately after an incident like that. And I guess maybe in um, you know. If we're to compartmentalize all of this in the in the justice system, criminal justice system, this practice that you see more and more about uh, releasing ceremonies, or are they called releasing ceremonies, where people will get out of jail and then come back into the community, and you know that really important work of of like I don't know, maybe it would be called debriefing, like sitting down and talking about yeah, yeah well reintegration, but yeah. you know the going to jail is not like a, it's not like a pleasant experience right so how do you rid yourself of the trauma that uh, is a part of being incarcerated yeah. uh, and then rejoin a community in a way that is good mm-hmm. um, so I guess like what we're talking about are different a spectrum of different types of of healing um, different types of healing but also like different types of instances where people are like expressing I guess or like I think to your point though right it seems like there are some people that like in our communities that and that's another like negative form of people who have like unresolved trauma issues right where they like take that and they like weaponize it against other people to like exert control right when people feel like they are losing control of a situation they might react in ways that are like harmful to other people but they'll root it in their trauma yeah or they'll like weaponize their trauma against other people right right? or they'll talk about this experience and they'll use it to silence people or they'll use it to coerce action out of other people Uh uh-huh um do you think i mean is it a is it a cynical perspective that you have that you know or is that you know i think uh, it depends on the circumstance and where people are at where do people are at and like what you know happens to them i mean i think i'm cynical about everything <laughs> yeah fair. i mean well, I, I mean i am listening i'm hearing what you're saying and i'm agreeing with mm-hmm. you i think i think to a degree i feel that i have been in some circumstances where uh where that exact scenario has happened mm-hmm. um that uh, trauma was used to sort of maybe shut down a conversation or avoid taking responsibility or accountability. But then I'm afraid that I am not giving that person, you know, the space that they need. You know, maybe, maybe, I, maybe that view is too, 
is too cynical and I, and I need to like look into myself and be like, why are you having that particular reaction? You know, is what this person is doing, is that genuine or is it actually, actually harmful? And if I, and if it is harmful, but I'm, you know, saying to myself, no, 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 it's genuine. Am I, am I enabling more harm? You know, this is like a really complex kind of discussion around uh, trauma and healing and uh, that I'm uh, that I'm not qualified to. Yeah, neither uh, one of us are trained professionals. Don't do not. Or yes. Not We're just two two people in a car that are trying to you know. Talk about these things that we experience. Yeah, and, 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 this is and not figure medical advice. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean that's a question that I have, you know, and and that's something that I grapple with when those sort of circumstances come up, those situations come up. The thing is too, right? It's like oh, you have to like always think of circumstances in different ways I think like what can happen is too is that like a lot of times we don't allow people the space to change or we don't you know we we expect people to like behave at their worst or you know have these kinds of things and it's like or not give anyone the benefit of the doubt and a lot of times it's women who are not given opportunities or not um, you know a woman will do something and be ostracized for it but people will say like oh people tend to be more forgiving of men who can repeatedly cause harm over and over again in a lot of different communities uh-huh. and they get more opportunities whereas like a woman says something mean once and they're labeled forever or have things that carry around with them and so it's like it's so hard and it's hard to also like a lot of times too like feel so hurt and feel so like or have to do with consequences of it, right? Like, people that, like, try to, like, mess with your career or, like, try to badmouth you to, like, a lot of your colleagues and, like, do these kinds of things that are, like, really harmful to you materially and then you're, you are harmed, right? You are, like, attacked by someone else or whatever and then it's, like... Are you talking about me again? <laughs> no, I'm talking about myself. <laughs> what, <laughs> but, happened to you too? Yeah, it happens oh, to everyone. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. But uh, it happens to everyone. And it happens... <laughs> and that's the thing, too, right? Where you're like, frick, like... At what point do you, like... I think that the cynical... Or I guess the thing is, like... I want to be a type of person that can, like, recognize that this is, like, a symptom of ongoing colonialism. Yes. And these types of, like upheavals in our community are symptoms of this like experience this common experience we all have where we're oppressed and you know we're not able to practice our culture we're not able to do these things and not able to heal that, with trauma yeah. in healthy ways but then it's also like i'm so mad that this person did yeah. something really yeah. mean to me or did something mean to like one of my friends right or like you know oh. uh-huh. uh-huh yeah i mean it's trauma on trauma on trauma mm-hmm. and um you know you have relationship dynamics whether it's in work settings or whether it's um, you know intimate settings that you know that those those kinds of traumas can interact with each other in even more traumatic ways <laughs> like a nice trauma soup <laughs> a nice trauma soup yeah. it is winter time it is actually well it's a Shoni new year uh well that's yeah yeah, that's great. That's great. Are you trying to transition us out of? Yeah, is this, is this I'm a segue? To save like, us out of this conversation. Uh, just yeah, us. Like swim out of the trauma soup. Yeah, just us bogged down. And you know what? What are we gonna do about it? Probably still try and build relationships with more people, and probably get victimized again in the future. Yeah, but you know, at the same time, you say, you like we say that, and you know, when I often talk to, for whatever reason, I have found myself 
I guess in my old age, um, being asked to give advice to people <laughs> and guidance on some of these questions. And, you know, often what I come back to is always community. Like, yeah. you know, when you're struggling with something, especially if, if, if uh, you're, you're struggling alone, it's just like, find that community, you know, complain to that community you know find those trusted friends that you're able to just like share these experiences with and have them just listen to you and acknowledge and validate what you're going through I mean like that is really helpful to me you know in terms of the friends that I'm able to to share those things with and not me though I hate none of this <laughs> well what do you think that this I mean come on <laughs> Uh, this podcast is getting close to it. Yeah. <laughs> so at the, while at the, while on the one hand, you know those relationship dynamics in in whatever communities, whatever native communities we're working or living in, uh, can perpetuate harma. They're also actually the source of healing. So I guess that's the irony mm-hmm. of it's it all. Cruel, cruel life. <laughs> well, um, I mean, us. I don't think you know. It's we. I hope that we're not, you know, obviously we didn't intend to go down this path, but we did. And, um, you know, I, we're talking about healing and I hope it's not, a, I hope it's not a dark or depressing conversation. I think it's a real conversation, um, but it feels good to talk about it. Yeah. I think that, and the thing too, is that like, there's obviously an effort in our community to like try and do and provide resources for people. Right. So the thing is, so like, do a little plug there's a phone number called talk for healing it's like a website where you can chat or you can text or you can call and talk to someone and they talk in a lot of different indigenous languages as well and it's available 24 7 and even though it's targeted towards women um, and survivors of violence they will service everyone that calls them so if you're an indigenous man or identifies another gender that does not preclude you from calling them and also even though it's an Ontario based they take calls from a lot of other places as well so if you're an indigenous person in the US or outside of Ontario they will also help you out and yeah talk for healing talk for healing talk for healing and that's you know that's like a new kind of like technology and it's the thing too right where like our communities are still trying to like as a part of our survival as a part of our strategizing trying to do build these kinds of like resources for one another Mm-hmm. And all mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because at the end of the day, this is something that like has been something that I have been reflecting on and trying to think through. Is that I try not to operate from a space where I view other Native people as being disposable, mm-hmm. and viewing them as like being things that can be discarded and or people that are canceled or whatever. Like I try to think about like what does our community look like if we view everyone and treat them with like basic dignity and worth and like it's hard when some people are you know violent on an, on violent an ongoing sort of basis annoying. <laughs> uh yeah 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 how do you uh, yeah yeah but it's like a kind of like a, i guess my latest like intellectual challenge for myself to like try and try and think through these things face the face the traumatic things that have happened in our communities face our reality and that is like for me what asserting like rights and jurisdiction is about is like mm-hmm. solving these like mm-hmm. very traumatic mm-hmm. problems that happen yeah. to our community yeah yeah we haven't really uh 
Yeah, I mean that's a good it's a it's a good way to think about things, you know. I think I remember hearing you give a talk one time at McMaster and say something along the same lines, you know, like what good is jurisdiction or what good is indigenous rights if we can't protect everyone in our community or not protect but make sure everyone is safe in our in our communities, but um, maybe that could be a part two of this podcast, starting to, to get into those uh, tricky questions that we're not, also not qualified to <laughs> qualified talk about. This is just a thought experiment. Right. Please yes. do not take this as legal advice. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think yeah. these are like the things, I don't know, I like this podcast because we talk about things that I guess everyone in our community is also kind of struggling to find the answers for. Yeah trying to have like a thoughtful conversation about it yes definitely mm -hmm. and i guess this is um we're almost at the end we're almost at the end you got to take oh, this shit. exit here yep. um but this is uh our third season we didn't say this in the beginning oh, yeah. um so that was a very nice thing that you said about our mm -hmm. podcast uh so that's a a nice yeah. way to begin season three of the red road season three arbitrarily started season three <laughs> Uh, season two, we had 14 episodes, right? We talked about this, like and then yeah. season one, I don't even know how many episodes we had in season one. Was it 17. also 14? 17? It's 17 episodes. Oh my god, I can't believe, uh, season three already. Yeah. I think that we should just, every time we, like, fuck up an episode and just miss a bunch of weeks, just start a new season. I'm <laughs> down with like, that. Sorry, we were on a hiatus. Season five was two episodes, I'm down but with that. here we go. Oh. Yeah. Sorry, I just got a, I just got a whiff of Hamilton steel this is your production this is your oh no uh, <laughs> uh i guess um well talk about healing and the need for healing but technically it's not your homeland <laughs> anyway let's stop this podcast and uh before we get in an argument enjoy again it, yes. about whose land we're on right, right enjoy your weekend enjoy your week hayden <laughs> yes and we'll see you back here on the red road You've been listening to the Red Road Podcast, created by Courtney Sky and Hayden King, sounding audio editing by Humble Man Recording. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. I've been driving in my Indian car to the pound of the wheels drumming in my brain. My dash is dusty, my plates are expired.